Good morning and welcome to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. I'm Kendra Petroni and today we're talking with author and marketing president Molly Alkman about her new book, The House That She Built, and her mission to inspire young girls and women when it comes to working in a trade. Molly's purpose in this mission is to show that everyone benefits from a workplace that embraces diversity and inclusion. Good morning, Molly. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you. Well, first, I feel like I have to remind our listeners and our viewers that most of us are back in our basements working again from home. So I feel like I have to ask you the question, how have you been? How has the last almost two years been for you and your family handling this crazy abnormal world that we're in now (laughs) i think at this point it's just like a wild ride and we all just have to like go along with it um what's funny is in the beginning i was like i am not going to be the person who writes a book during this time like all these people are giving advice like use this time write a book and i'm here you know home with two kids and what did i end up doing i wrote a book Better than me, though. I'm talking about Kim Kardashian's relationships, so I think you're doing a little bit better than me. I'll talk about that, too, though. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about your background. You know, you grew up in a house with builders and family members who were heavily into trade jobs. When did you realize that your path was in marketing and then sort of a focus on getting women into these kinds of careers? Yeah, so I have always loved marketing since I was a child. That part of it was, um, I knew that that was going to be the path for me. Um, I originally thought I wanted to be a writer and I always dreamed of writing a book and I, I love telling stories. So For me, it was more that was definitely the path I was going in. Um, My dad had had a love of marketing and also real estate. So he combined the two. I wasn't sure if I was going to love real estate the same way I love marketing. And it was kind of up in the air. And then when I came into the industry, my passion for the industry has just grown every single year, because when you're talking about housing, you're talking about where people live their lives. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, very emotional product. And really the highest, I mean, the, the biggest product that someone spends their money on. So it's, you know, it becomes a very, very personal thing to market home. Is this true? Less than 3% of the on-site workforce in housing are women. Is that true? Less than 3%? I actually think that's high. I really think in real life, it's closer to 1% because all of the women that I talk to, they're shocked when they hear that number. They're like, really? Where are the other, where are the rest of them? Because when they're on a job site, they are the only woman. I bet. And it is, it is um, a really low number. And a lot of that is just because of these gender biases. Is like you think of building and you think of physical strength, mm-hmm. and that is not the only part of building. I mean, there there are so many skills that go into the careers for building a home. Right. So you know, just kind of breaking that um, that mindset before it even forms is really what we're trying to do with this children's book. Well, I was going to say, you know, when you think of women, you know, most women would think, "Oh God, are we all in the same boat in this?" But for me, like I look around my house, I want the power and ability to be able to fix things like fix a wall or or sand something or build something. And it's, I should be able to do it. I mean, I know that I can keep three young people alive in this house every day. So I should be able to do that kind of work. And how do we get over that hump? I mean, what, where can we start by saying, don't be afraid. It's okay. 
women can actually do this too. Yeah. It's what's amazing is most of the women I meet were brought into the trades by a male. So they were brought in through a family business or an uncle or a father or someone who was doing a trade and taught them a trade. And what that does is it it limits the exposure to women who don't have a male in their life who is in the trades. So what I believe with my whole heart is that it's up to the women who are in the industry to show their stories and to share their stories and to get it in front of the youngest learners so that all little kids see that these are this these jobs are for anyone. I mean, there was a time when you would open a children's book and you would never see a woman as a doctor. Right. And that's weird for us to think about now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, it's mind boggling. Well, right now, that is how it is with building. If you see a builder in a book, it's a boy. And that's not right. Right. And you know, it's funny, you're talking about getting it in front of young eyes and and young kids to be able to see it. When the pandemic hit, I think everybody kind of got this wake up call. Like we really need builders. We need plumbers. We need electricians. We're always going to need those people. And they were hard to come by. So I'm wondering if maybe the last two years, did it help kind of inspire women, young girls to say, Hey, you know what? There's a shortage. Why aren't we even though we always should have thought that we had a seat at the table, maybe this is the jump start to getting more involved in, in physical trade work because we're always going to need it. Those people are always going to be in high demand. So why not add to the workforce? Yeah, I, I think it definitely has contributed to it. I think there's also something um, on a larger scale. So the labor shortage, the housing industry is so important to the U.S. economy. It is, I mean, that really indicates how successful we are. And if we can't meet the demand for housing because we don't have the people to build the homes, Mm -hmm. that is a really, really scary position to be in. And right now, what is being projected is that we are a million jobs short for the next three years to be able to meet demand. So when that happens, all you see is prices go up and housing becomes less affordable, which is a national crisis. I was going to ask, how does that, how does that affect moving forward five, 10 years even? I mean, it affects every single person in this country. So, you know, I, I talk about, I say, you know, we're talking about a children's story, but we're really talking about something much bigger. It is a, it is a national crisis. It is, um, it is a big deal. And these are, they're very, very in-demand jobs. And I think what happens is, you know, a lot of people now are talking about bringing trades back into schools. They're focusing, which is great because we have to solve a short-term problem. So they're focusing on the high school kids. I'm thinking, okay, like, how's that going to help in 20 years when we're still, you know, not changing the conversation? So my approach has been more to like the really young kids and their parents, you know, having a kid who loves to draw and having them relate that to architecture or, you know, the creative side of some of these careers that go into building. I think that's, it's only going to help the child. It's only going to help their educational experience. And then of course, housing and then our country. Yeah, that's funny because I think back, I mean, I'm, I'm 39, so I know that we had home ec, we had woodworking, we had all of these 
basic life skill type classes that weren't, you know, exceptionally perfect and they weren't experts teaching us, but at least it was teaching you, you know, how to change a flat tire, what to do in in case of an emergency, or if you don't have all this technology. And I think as a society, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I I feel like we're so self-reliant on the auto that I would love for everything, even my children who are 11, nine and, and eight to get back into the physical work of learning a trade and being skilled in something physically to be able to be self-reliant. I mean, I feel like we're kind of slipping in that area, right? You know, it's interesting. So I love to study like humans and different generations and how one generation affects the next generation. And this mindset that we were, because I'm 39 also, the mindset that we grew up with, which is that college is the best path that has to be broken because college is the best path for the children. It's the best path for, right. And there are so many children who the best path for them is a learning a trade and mastering a skill Mm -hmm. and not going into debt and going right into the workforce. And this idea that one is better than the other, it has to be broken because it is completely fake. I love that you said that I've had this conversation with my my daughter and my sons, both my husband and I have had this conversation so many times. How would you give advice to parents that that like me want your child to do that? They just I just want them to know that college isn't for everybody and you don't have to have that be your only pathway. And the way you put it was perfect. Like it is right for some, but I just want them to know that having the ability to do something, create something, work with your hands, there's still an exceptional need for that. So how can parents maybe start that conversation with their kids? Yeah. I mean, this is so deep rooted in American culture. So like, even when someone has a baby, Mm -hmm. they start a college fund. (laughs) Right. Why? Why isn't it called a future fund? Like, why isn't it called a, like, do you know what I'm saying? So like, there are so many of these little things that create a mindset. And if we're not aware of it, we can't proactively have those conversations. So to me, it's every time those things come up, it's it's ha- having the reverse of, oh, well, maybe you'll go to college here, or maybe you'll have a trade or, or a skill that you really love and want to master and really hone in on. Um, And it's not that dissimilar from, you know, my brother, he went to culinary school, he knew he wanted to cook, he wanted to master a specific skill, and he did it and he went on that track. And so it's not just careers in housing and building and plumbing. This is, it's just this idea that you can have one thing you love, Mm -hmm. and be a master at it and be the best at it and have a great future. Well, if you're just waking up and tuning in, you're listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. I'm Kendra Petroni, and today we've been talking with author and marketing president Molly Elkman about her new book, The House That She Built, and her mission to inspire young girls and women when it comes to working in a trade. Molly has worked with people who have proved to her that everyone benefits from a workforce that embraces diversity and inclusion, including an all-woman-built home, and that's what she hopes her book will inspire others to do. Let's get back to the conversation So let's talk about your book, The House That She Built. You had an all-female crew behind it, your publisher, your illustrator, all women from diverse backgrounds. 
And you have a strong emphasis on lessons in STEAM. So science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Why was it so important for you to have women working with you on this book to share this story? So this story is actually not my story. It is a story that I was brought in to do the marketing for. So the house that she built is a an actual home that was built in Utah by all women. And the general contractor on the project has been a friend of mine for a very long time. She was brought into the industry by her dad and she has her own building company in Utah. And they have a professional women in building group that came together and they're like, you know what? Nobody thinks we can do this. Let's do it. Let's build a home using all women and all women owned companies. So they reached out to me and said, as a women owned marketing company, can you do the marketing? So Georgia, who's the creative director at group two and I sat in a room and we brainstormed, what are we going to call this thing? And we named it the house that she built. And The reason we named it that is because the she is individual and it's also collective. So we really wanted to focus on the stories of the individual women, as well as this finished project that took all of their unique abilities and put it into one finished home. So it it really was, um, it, it was just unbelievably inspiring And what ended up happening is in order to build it, they had to fly in women from all over the country. Wow. Had to bring in women from all over. And um, so basically women in every market, there is a woman who worked on this, on this home in Utah. Um, Plumber that they ended up finding her on Instagram. Her handle is tiny plumber girl. She's actually here in Philly. And we've become really good friends and she has gone with me into classrooms and we talk about putting puzzles together. You know, when people think about a plumber, they think about someone holding a plunger. And let me tell you, that is so not what she is. I mean, we're talking about a really complex system that is basically putting together puzzles. And when when we went into a classroom together and did an activity, by the end of it, Every single child in that class said they wanted to be a plumber when they grew up. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that because on your website, and by the way, uh, you can go to shebuiltbook.com, shebuiltbook.com, and we'll put a link up on magic1067.com as well. But on your website, you have ways, and I love this, that teachers and educators can incorporate your book into the classroom activities like you were talking about, like learning how to be a plumber, and it will build you know, awareness around these trades. So can you share a little bit more about the activities and how, if somebody's listening, if they're a teacher or an educator or a parent, how they can sign up for this? Because I I love this. I want to do this with my kids. (laughs) Yeah. So we actually, we have great activities that um, are options that are on the website. We've done some really, really fun things so far, including gingerbread house building. We've done bird houses, We've done math lessons, art projects. I mean, we've done all these things and we're, and what we're doing is we're build, we're keeping them and putting them together and organizing them so that other people can, can utilize what we've done in this market. Cause really all of this can be applied anywhere. Um, but at the same time, we're also building real curriculum. So right now we have a team of educators who were writing curriculum based on common core standards to be offered in schools across the country. So the objective is we have lessons that children need to learn in kindergarten and first grade and second grade. Some of them have nothing to do with construction. For example, poetry. 
There is no reason that children can't be learning from a book that also has a positive message. Nothing against, you know, dragons love tacos or like creative (laughs) myths. Like I love all those books. Yeah. You you need to also have books that build up girls and show careers and Mm -hmm. show skills and like really build self-esteem. So I know for me, when I was a child, if I look back on my education, I remember the things I was not good at. Right. Right. Not the things I was good at because I had to put more time to the things that were harder for me. And I just don't think that that's the right approach. I think if a child loves writing and reading and math is there is a little tougher for them. Yes. You know, spend the time to learn math and have the basic foundation, but we should be cultivating that love that they already have for, for reading and writing. So, you know, I just, I think we kind of have it a little backwards. Oh, I totally agree with that. And I, and now when you started talking about things that were hard, that, that you focused on when you think of your education, I'm, I'm sitting back thinking to the high school through college and I'm, and most of it, I would say 80%, I was doing things that I thought were just required. It was like the requirement for society for everybody else, but not for me, not what I was good at. I mean, it sounds ridiculous and silly, but I used to tell my parents all the time, you know, if they had a job for somebody that could, could guess the years of movies and, and all these little fun facts for entertainment, I mean, I would love to do it, but it almost seemed like I had to do the required checklist of educational classes that didn't really highlight anything I could do well. So yeah, I and for me personally, that took away from my spark and my passion for the things that I liked. So like mine was very drastic. Like I was always very good at art and English, Mm -hmm. nothing else. (laughs) And, and you know, everything else just like pulled me away from what I like was really loving and enjoying. And guess what? I ended up using art and English and it's not a surprise that's where my natural passion is. That's where mm-hmm. I feel most confident. That's where I feel like I have an ability to do my best work. And the confidence part of it is a big part, not just for girls, but for all kids. So in the book, what we wanted to do was identify skills so that kids could start to really feel their confidence when it comes to certain skills. So we have 18 careers in the book. But then we also talk about the skills that are used in those 18 careers. And that's where the STEM or STEAM comes in. We talk about art, we talk about science, we talk about math. So they can start thinking about the areas they really enjoy. And and then instead of saying, well, what do you want to be when you grow up and just have, you know, the generic answer, it can be more specific based on some of the skills that they already feel good about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I mean, that's all that's spot on. And I, and I wish that, and maybe we can get there faster as a society. And I, I'm hoping that, you know, my kids will embrace that and learn that. And that's what I'm at least trying to teach them. But, you know, we have a lot of women listeners. We have a lot of young girls that listen to this show. They listen to the morning show. What advice, if you could give advice in like, you know, a sentence or two to all the women that we have listening that, that like you, like me, they want to be able to do these things. They want to be able to work in a trade or work for themselves or be self-reliant in anything, physical activity or just something other than the stereotypical job that they've been allowed to have, sort of, so to speak. What advice would you have for them? Well, for one, I would say 
follow your own instinct. I think I'm, I'm obviously I'm a parent and I think parents tend to project on their kids and project a certain path on their kids. And I don't think it comes, I, it comes from a place of love and wanting your children to have more and have better. But um, it is important to know what feels right to you. And um, I, you know, for me, that was always the creative side. And I, I remember, so I studied English um, and communication in college and I, people would always say, are you going to be a teacher? It was like, that was the only thing they could see. Right. And I remember saying to them, what job doesn't use English and communication? Like, tell me one job that exists that doesn't use it. But for some reason, they had like put this bubble around it as a teacher. And that was it. That was the only thing. And that's not real. So like, do what you love and be great at it. And there are going to be really good opportunities to use that skill or to use that unique talent. This is wonderful. And I've, I've loved having you on the show, Molly. I think everything that you've said is so important. And I hope everybody listening takes that advice. And I hope that they can apply it to themselves or their children. Uh, again, I want to say it's your book is amazing. The house that she built, it's shebuiltbook.com. Please go there. Um, I know that a lot of the proceeds of the book are, are working to benefit, you know, workforce development for women and young girls. Again, it's shebuiltbook.com. We'll put a link up on our website on magic1067.com. Molly Elkman, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for what you're doing and in, in spreading the opportunity and the positivity for women, young girls, young children, just to get involved and kind of get out of that norm because maybe the norm isn't the norm for most people. So I love everything that you have talked about with us today. Thank you so much for being on Exceptional Women. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you to Molly Elkman for being in the spotlight today on Exceptional Women. We talk with celebrities and CEOs, but we're also interested in talking with your neighbors, coworkers, and friends who are quietly making an impact in their communities. Go to magic1067.com and email us if you know someone you'd like to recommend to be featured on our show. And you can follow us on Instagram at sue.tab and at Kendra the Entertainer. We love hearing from you and be sure to join us every Sunday morning for another edition of Exceptional Women. Have a great day, everyone.